Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project that I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. If I know that this actor really is excited and cares about the process that they're a part of and doesn't feel like that they're just a, um, a robot, uh, it makes me feel better. <laughs> and that makes me hopefully a better director. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. My apologies for being away for the past month. These uh, losses of some of the greatest comedians of our generation. I don't know. I guess they just take their toll and um, they sort of make you reevaluate your life, how you live it, what you do, what time you spend to give back to others in the business. I guess I just humbly apologize because I know this podcast does mean a lot to a very pinpointed and specific group of people who work in the entertainment business at all different levels that share a common bond. And that common bond is to create an impact in this world that inspires people and changes the way people look at the world. I want to be able to help get the word out of artists who have wonderful things to say, things to say that are so impactful and so inspirational stories of people who, who started at zero, zero, just like most all of you listening and somehow slowly moved the rock up the hill. Even after it fell down several times, they kept pushing until they got it to the top. And then once they did that, somehow, some way, they had the desire to go down to the bottom of the hill and push another rock up to the top over and over again. So again, I'm back. 
I'm putting a bunch of things on. I have a, a lot of great, great, unique and special artists that I'm going to be sharing with you. Many of them not traditional, many of them that didn't do things the normal way, but are really, really special. Before I get started, uh, if you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Twitter or Instagram, or you can get me on my website at barrycats.com. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guests. Adam Leon was born and raised in Manhattan and attended Hunter College High School and graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. He worked as a production assistant and as a coordinator at various film festivals. And during this time, he co-directed and co-wrote the short film Killer, which premiered at the New Director's New Films Festival in 2009. His first feature film, Give Me the Loot, won the Grand Jury Prize at South by Southwest and premiered internationally at the Cannes Film Festival in 2012. Leon's second feature, Tramps, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2016, where Netflix acquired the worldwide rights. Leon's debut feature follows the story of two graffiti writers from the Bronx, who over the course of two summer days attempt to tag the famed Mets home run apple in a bid for glory and revenge on a rival crew. Upon its 2013 theatrical release, the film was officially presented by Oscar-winning filmmaker Jonathan Demme. In his latest film just released, Adam depicts different parts of New York City he grew up in, the interactions that go unnoticed and overlooked, and the people that get passed and immediately forgotten. Most importantly, he wanted to share these stories since he was a child and wanted to show New York City from the eyes of an outsider, played by Vanessa Kirby in his latest film that he wrote and directed, Italian Studies. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, Adam Leon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I have so many things to ask you. I want to go way, way, way yeah. back. Okay. So let's take 1981. A and take me back to the environment you grew up in, in the home, your family, and what was the inspiration, the first inspirations of getting into this crazy, messed up business? I grew up in the city at New York, and um, that's a very vivid and unique uh, experience. You, you have a wealthy family. Were they middle class? Were they like what? Would, did you have money growing? I, I would say I would call, I would say that uh, low rich, like not super wealthy. Um, I, my dad was successful. Um, he was a record business executive. Um, he wasn't the most successful record business executive, but he was a he was a senior vice president at a record label. And my that my parents got divorced when I was uh, about well, they separated when I guess I was five. My mom was not successful, uh, and it was an interesting dynamic because. I never wanted for anything, but uh, but I lived with my mom and she lived in this really great, she still lives in this really great like Greenwich Village loft, but was also, that was taken care of because of the divorce, but also was generating no money and was, I remember it, there was some very hard times with her, not, I, let me sort of scale that back. 
I don't think she or anybody was ever afraid she was going to be on the street, but she was broke. And, um, and, and, and I remember my dad being like, you're going to be okay. We're going to everybody. My, my dad is a very good ex-husband um, and was, you know, and, 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 and so she was supported and she was encouraged, but, and then this thing that was so instrumental to me in my life, which was that in her late forties, she, they opened a real estate office across the street from, from where I lived. And she walked over there and she said, I can do this. And they said, okay, we'll give you a desk if you get your license. And she became very successful in that. So she became successful in her fifties. And when I say very successful, I mean, upper middle class, but again, like not wanting for anything and can go to fancy dinners. And, uh, that was really interesting to see because I went to a college where when I was graduating, I asked people what they were going to do. And so many people said they wanted to do a, but it was too hard to make money doing that. So they were going to do B. And I just remember thinking, thinking about my mom, like thinking you have time. If you can, if you can survive, you have time. And, and it was just such a, such a cool and instructive thing to see my mom, not only have, have some financial success, but really have a place of work that was valuable to her as a person. And that come in middle age. The feeling that you have when you know that you're doing something special and that always doesn't come right away. And I want you to take me to 24 hours before when you felt like shit and nothing was getting noticed and you weren't even getting any inkling that you were doing something special to that 24 hour period after where you realized, holy shit, I think I'm doing it. That's a good question. I think, I think when you're writing, you're writing a movie and then you're making a movie when you're writing a movie that can, well, bo both when you're writing and making a movie, it, those 24 hours happen periodically they come back and forth to you um and so there can be times where i'm writing a script and i uh am like i'm gonna I, this isn't gonna work i'm gonna work on the other project I, I often say to people who are like writing one of the hardest things to do is the project you're not working on is always better because you're not <laughs> it's just in your head and um and so, yeah, well, I'm going to go with that other one in my head. And then you sort of, well, I'll try this and it works. And I'm like literally jumping up and down in my apartment. I've, I've broken through on something. I think we have something really special. And then, you know, it can be a week later, you can read it and go, this is terrible. I don't know what, what I'm doing. So it is sort of, I think that it comes back and forth. But I do remember when we were shooting my first movie, my first feature, um, uh, which is called Give Me the Loot, um, we were two or three days into production and uh, my producers produced all my movies. His name is Jamin Washington. Um, at the end of the day, I said, I think that went really well. I think that was a good day. And he had had a lot more experience than me. And he was like, Adam, they're all going to be good days. It just, this production has that. And uh, <laughs> it was something that was really freeing in that. And because I think I had sensed the energy and the vibe that we were doing something that we were onto something and that we were making the thing that we wanted to make and that it could be exciting. Um, and I, but I do think in some ways it took 
Jamin saying that to me to be like, right, we are, we are, we're, we're on something, we're on something that, that, that that's fun. And I should roll with that. And I should embrace that. Tell me more about the process for you of beginning, because I think that a lot of times people don't talk about this a lot. They talk about the overall process and step by, but I always like to think in terms of you, when I sit across from you, I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at where you are. I'm just thinking, how does the beginning start for you? Like, how does that idea normally come to you? Or does it come from a place that you wake up in the middle of the night and it's, you know, you pop up and you're like, <gasps> okay, Italian studies. Or is it a thing where you like from like you're seven years old and you have this idea and it keeps festering in you and you finally get it going? I think it depends. And I think that it's been different for different projects. Um, and sometimes, so, I mean, let me, I sort of, I can try to be specific on, on, on them. Um, and, and I also think that the idea is great. It's very exciting when you get the idea that you're excited about, but like, that's, there's more ideas than projects you can make. And so in some ways it's, it's, people will come to me and be like, I have this amazing idea. And I'm like, okay, go, go work really hard for a long time. Um, but, but there is something fun with the idea, but I think for, for, um, for Gimme the Loot, the first movie, I had been searching for a really long time for um, a movie that I could make for not a lot of money um, because it was going to be my first movie and I could sort of do it on my terms. And Define, um, define for our audience yes. what you consider to be not a lot of money. So, the, so the, my first movie's production budget was $65,000. And um, the overall budget, when by the time we like delivered it to the distributor, was something like one hundred seventy five, hundred eighty eight thousand dollars. So that's considered very, very low budget. Um, How many locations in that movie? Well, that's the thing. We we there's like seventy in the movie because what we did was we the idea was we can shoot out. You know, I had experience shooting out in the streets in New York, and it, I wrote the script to have be almost completely daytime exteriors. And so 80, 85% of the movie is daytime exteriors. And the way that we were shooting it aesthetically was we would put a camera across the street and uh, and do these long lens shots of our characters weaving throughout the crowds of the city while they talk. And so, um, you know, the a big challenge there is making sure you have a good sound guy and stuff like that. But you can do that with, you can't block off streets. You can't set up lights. Um, you really are in I think the phenomenal sort of production design of New York City. And so in doing that, there was a like, we can, we're making this with a crew of, depending on the day, seven to 14 people. Um, we can put everybody in a van and we can have one truck. This allows us, what are, what are our disadvantages and how can we make them advantages, right? And so the disadvantages, we, we're really small. We don't have any money. We can't block off streets. But the advantage is we can move quickly, which on a normal sort of size mo movie, doing a company move is huge. But we could just pop into the van, drive for 10 blocks and pop out of the van. And so 
it was a project where we did a ton of rehearsal with the actors. We did months and months of rehearsal so that we could not have to work so much on the scene work when we were out in the streets that we kind of had that. Um, and, and so this was a calculated thing. It was like, we, we want, we were going to make this movie for, for not a lot of money, but we wanted to, we don't want it to necessarily feel like we made it for a lot of money. We're not trying to get fancy cameras. We're not trying to trick anybody to think that we had more money than we did, but we want it to, um, to feel really cinematic and big. And so, yeah, that was fun. Just like sneaking onto the subway and things like that were things we could do because the project was small. So one of the things about the movie, I wanted to ask you about yourself, you know, normally a, a writer and a director, you know, there's a character that's a part of them that every fiber of the character is built upon themselves. And then normally other characters are like, almost exactly like another character that was a part of their life. But you kind of say that this is like an amalgamation of qualities. Why is it that your process isn't to take the qualities of how you were as a, a young man or now and create characters or some fascinating, amazing person that you met within your life or you knew and take them and put them in one of your movies as a character. Instead, you sort of create the characters from certain character traits, but not completely. Yeah, and I think it's also influenced uh, by the person playing the character too. It's a big thing. I like to work with the with the actors on bringing what they want to bring of themselves and of people that they know into. So it is, yes, it's a combination of a lot of things. I, I think highly of myself so i'm not trying to be like false modest but like i'm not that interested i don't think i'm that great of a character uh, um for a, for a for a movie and it's it's sort of like i have seen my type <laughs> a lot represented in movies growing up and uh and good ones and bad ones but the sort of like again very uh the the, the chewy talkative coming off as i don't think i'm actually that neurotic but coming off as neurotic um uh white dude is it, we we've seen it it does i don't think I, I don't really think i have anything to say there um I'm much more interested in how a character who isn't like me in terms of their backstory or in terms of those sort of identifiers is like me. And so that's a big question that I like to ask. So it's just sort of how do I, I can't, I am not this black teenage woman who's a uh, black teenage girl who's a graffiti writer from the Bronx. But like, what is it about her and how she reacts to things and how she feels about things that I can really identify with that I would do the same way that I would do very differently. And that becomes, um, and working with collaborators on that, you know, from the, a first draft to a second draft to rehearsal to shooting becomes a process that I find really, really exciting. Um, and so, and maybe part of that is, uh, not wanting to look too internally inside of myself, but, um, but I, yeah, I, I love, I love doing that. Hey everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my blueprint for success 
a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Now, you said something to me that kind of fascinates me, you know, because I've interviewed people who, you know, write the screenplay or write the series. And I say to them, hey, um, so did you sit around with the actors and sort of form the story with them and, and shape it? And they're like, did August Wilson sit around with the, the actors? <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't want their feedback. I wrote it. This is the way I wrote it. This is the way you say the words and no, go back to your trailer and then come back out and say the words the way I want them said and play the character the way I want it played. But you seem to be the exact opposite of that. Yeah, that's not so much my process. I do think it depends also though on what story you're trying to tell, how, to, what's the best way to tell that story for the audience. And, um, and sometimes that can be as, uh, that you break that down to on a production day, like what is this scene or what is this part of this scene? So there's definitely, um, even on Italian studies, which is a movie where it really developed because Vanessa Kirby called me, we were friends. She said she wanted to do something. We had her schedule. We knew what we, what, when we could shoot, we had these teenagers we were working with. Vanessa and I were talking about ideas of memory loss and identity. It really developed from a group collaboration in a way that's more extreme than I think even the other projects that I have that we still have intensive rehearsal processes. And I, I would hope that the actors feel that they really uh, have a major voice in their characters. Um, but even in Italian studies, there's still scenes or parts of scenes where I am like, you have to say this like this. And I need to, cause I need to get this for the edit so I can get this for the story. Um, but so it can depend. It's not like uh, all hundred percent Lucy Goosey. It really is figuring out what, how we need to deliver this. But yes, for me in general, I really want the actors to have, I feel my job is that one of my jobs is that the actors show up on set and they feel like they have ownership of the character, that they can tell me more about the character than I can. It's in some ways their character. And then when I'm, that, that, then the next part of me directing on set is to decide whether or not what we're getting is good or not. And so, you know, they could stay, I think I'm really tired in this scene and that can feel right. And I'm like, great, play it. But if it's not going well, we have to change that. So, so it's, it's, uh, but I do think for me, I really welcome people's involvement. I think for a lot of reasons, I think it makes the work better. It's how I naturally like to work. Um, I think there's something validating to me about it too. I think that there's something where if I know that this actor really is excited and cares about the process that they're a part of and doesn't feel like that they're just a, um, a robot, uh, it makes me feel 
better. <laughs> and that makes me hopefully a better director. Some of it may not just be uh, uh, kindness. It can be self-serving too. But um, but yeah, no, I, I really want the actors and the key uh, crew to really feel like they're a part of the process of creating it. I was thinking about the um, the kind of acting that I love and the kind of directing that I love. I've always been a huge fan of watching somebody who doesn't speak and their emotions when they're not speaking. And one of the things about this film that I love so much is, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like there was at least a third of the movie, could even be half of the movie, where no characters spoke but the emotion on their faces or the long shot, like you explained in New York city, even in the beginning of the film where there were those characters that you're either hired the greatest casting director <laughs> in the world or else they're real New York characters, uh -huh. uh, which I presume they're real New York characters that you never saw talk, but you just saw them in their interactions on the street and what you don't see is uh, some production assistant running after them with a release <laughs> form. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I love that. And it reminded me of the kind of films that I used to watch a lot. And I don't watch anymore because he doesn't make them anymore, uh, which is somebody who I think has probably had a huge impact on you. And that's Woody Allen. Yes. I mean, in some ways, I think Woody Allen is also part of the reason why I have, I'm not interested in making me a character in the movies because <laughs> like he, he sort of, he hit that, I think. Um, yeah. I, yeah, growing up in, uh, growing up in Greenwich Village in the eighties, um, I, it was sort of like the law you had to watch every Woody Allen movie. And, um, and yes, I mean, that was, I, I remember being, uh, I remember the moment that I realized I wanted to do this, which was watching star Wars when I was six years old. And this sort of idea, I remember being like, well, I want to be a lead singer in a rock and roll band or, and then realizing that like George Lucas had done this and being like, you can do that. Like, I think I, I would like to be a lead singer in a rock band, but I think it'll be better at doing this. And uh, I really, from that, that moment, wanted to do this. But I also remember the revelation of then seeing the Woody Allen movies, you know, a few years later and being like, oh, like you can really just sort of take your life, your point of view, your perspective, your inside jokes and and put that out there. And um, and. And I do think it speaks to something about representation too. Like, I do think that there's something that's incredibly encouraging about being a 10 year old and 11 year old watching sleeper or something like that. And, um, and, and being like, Oh yeah, like I'm that guy. Like I can, um, uh, do like, like this can, I can do this. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it was just very, very encouraging. And, and, and that idea that there's a sort of, I don't think you can, do this purposefully, but that there's like a Woody Allen, New York, right? Like there's an, a, a sort of way that he sees the city and that like, how can, 
how can other, and I love movies that feel like they have their own sort of view of that. And the best compliments that I can get are when people are like, oh, this really feels like your style. Uh, like that. And I don't know exactly what that means, but, but it, but it feels good. You know, you're sitting in your bedroom in Greenwich Village. You're watching a, a Woody Allen movie on a VHS tape. And you're thinking, my God, you know, wow, look at what this guy has done. And then you, one person out of 7 billion people, decide somewhere in your brain that, okay, I, I want to I work with that guy. I want to be with that guy when he's doing a film. I want to figure out how to get in front of him and get in the office and be there. And you made it happen. So I know this has nothing to do with necessarily your film or being a filmmaker or how you're a writer, but what has to do with how you accomplish a goal like that or a vision or even a dream from nothing. And I think there's a process to also getting your foot in the door. And then when you get your foot in the door, squid gaming it, and figuring out how to win the game. How do you do that? How did you make that happen? Well, I have every advantage ever. So I think that that's like, and, and I, I'm very open about this, but I, I have advantages that almost, so you say 7 billion people, but I have advantages that, that like 2000 people have, um, which is uh, my, my stepmother works, worked in the industry for a really long time. I was able to um, get access to those doors. Um, in, in, so, you know, I, I wish I could give better advice than that. I work with a huge amount of people who have all different origin stories. And about I'm going to, I'm going yeah. to, this is, I'm going to go toe to toe with you for a second here. You told yeah. me to go toe to toe with you. Yeah, please. Look, I know a ton of people myself. Okay. And if my son wants to intern at a place, if I reach out to every single one of them, Every single one isn't going to say yes. Of course, no, and that didn't happen. And I had to go and I had to interview for jobs and have to do a great job when I was doing those things and had to look. I had an amazing right. I was uh, I was uh, had an incredible opportunity when I was young and I was starting out. I had a meeting with Robert Benton, um, you know, who's just a legend and an amazing writer and director, and um, he took. 30 minutes to talk to me about and give me advice. And I try to do this. I mean, I'm not Robert Benton, but I try to do this. I pay this forward as much as I possibly can when people reach out to me. Um, and because it was so, it was so, uh, uh important. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, he said to me, he gave me amazing advice. And while I was talking and talking about what I wanted to do and all of that stuff, he said to me, I think you're going to do it. Like, I think you, I think you have the thing. And I was like, oh my God, that's so amazing for you to say, thank you. And he's like, I'm not saying it to be nice. I don't say this. Like, I actually think you're just, you got, like you could do this. And so I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Yes, I had access. When I had access, I think I was smart and determined about what I wanted to do. And I think it was encouraged. Um, and I think that all of that stuff helps. I also look, I'm again, I'm not trying to be modest. I do think you need to get super, super lucky. I think when you are chasing a dream, how often can you show up 
to get it. <laughs> and like, you know, I PA'd, I wrote, I worked at film festivals. I, you know, when we were making uh, the $65,000 movie, it was like, oh, great. I have a connection to the entertainment industry. Those connections didn't mean anything because nobody that I was connected to understood how to do a $65,000 movie. And so, um, so yeah, life moves in its own weird ways and you have what you have and you don't have what you don't have. And you know that. And I think you have to be self-aware and keep at it and determined. Um, so yeah, I'm not just saying things were necessarily handed to me, but I do think that doors were the opportunity for a door to be opened was, and I don't want to sort of minimize that. Got it. And I just also don't want to minimize the fact that when the door was opened, mm -hmm. you went yeah. You went in there and shut the door on everybody in the outside. And there was something that you did when you walked in that room that, you know, I don't care. I don't care how many people, you know, Dave Chappelle knows. Right. If he, want, if he wants somebody, he wants somebody. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. And right. so there's, no, there's, something, there's something that you did. Maybe you don't know, or maybe you can't identify it when you walk in the room of an important meeting and how you win and others don't win. I think I think it's hard to sort of talk about yourself in this way, but I think that I I'm very excited. I love doing this more than anything in the world. I love making movies more than anything. And I am and it gives me such joy. And I think that I um, people can feel that. I think people tell me that they can feel that. And so I think that there's something where people want to work with somebody who feels that way. Um, and I also think that we take it incredibly seriously and we do an incredible amount of prep. I remember for this first movie, you know, what we did, me and my producer, one of my producers and that was a woman named Natalie Difford, we, we, it was very important for us to have a business plan that felt like an absolutely 100% professional business plan. We reached out to different people who we knew had made indie movies. We asked them if we could buy them a beer or a coffee. We would take them out, we would get their advice, and then we would ask if they would share their business plan. We collected seven or eight business plans and we worked for three or four months on making a business plan. And so that when we walked into a room with my friend who you know had was worked at Goldman Sachs and could say, can you look at this business plan um, and give us any advice? He could say, you know what? These people are taking, these people are, are acting like professionals, even if they haven't achieved that sort of outside uh, validation yet. And so it was not, I really hate the term like fake it till you make it. It was not fake it till you make it. It was like, how do we do this the right way, even if we haven't done this before. And so I think it's a combination of determination, joy, and preparation. And, and, then, and those three things will then get you what you ultimately need, which is luck. Uh, because it took us to get the, that $65,000 or we were, you know, we raised like $100,000 because of post to get that. It took two years and people. So I think well, the person who ended up investing the money saw me chasing rich kids and saw me going to Miami to meet with some art artist who had a bunch of money and saw that I was willing to do whatever it's going to take to do this. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's, I think that's a combination that, that works. How do you handle it when there's one person that's a key integral part of the production who's like, the bad seed, the negative, uh -huh. the guy uh -huh. or girl who shows up late or who stays in their trailer or who, mm -hmm. 
is dramatic or who who systematically takes that joy and happiness out of you and twist your intestines into a balloon animal. <laughs> yes. I'm familiar <laughs> with this person. So um, how do you handle those situations and still make the production successful? I think there's two, I think there's a few things. And I think that trial and error is a part of it. Like, I think that learning, I, I, I and, and, I've been blessed with my collaborators, but yes, I have had this experience. I've had this experience on some of my short films and things like that. I think um, the earlier, what is it true for directing in general? It's just like the earlier you can listen to yourself and trust your gut. And I met with an actress once and uh, the casting director afterwards said, how did the meeting go? And I said, um, you know, it went really well. I like her a lot. She's good and she's smart. I'd love it if she was my um, friend's girlfriend and, and she's talented and I have no issue with her. I can just tell three weeks into this, we will want to kill each other. And because of how we talk, just like how we talk over each other, how we, it's just like, we'll want to kill each other and we'll divide the set. And, um, my casting director, it was the moment I think my casting director was, she said to me, oh, you're a good director. <laughs> um, and, and so again, it wasn't like, I would love to go party with this person, but I just, it, you have to trust that. And I think um, I'm better at that. And that takes time and it takes sort of, it's, it's easy to not because an opportunity can seem great to work with somebody, but if it doesn't feel right, you can't do it. Um, and then the other thing that I've been, somewhat slow to realize, but then I get made fun of by Vanessa and Callum and everybody I work with. And they say, I do it all the time is um, you fire them. You fire them if you can, you know, I mean, sometimes you can't, but, uh, but one of the, one of the, the, I would say on the list of 10 best decisions I've made are like four firings and the list of 10 worst decisions I've made are like four people that should have been fired that we didn't. Have you ever been fired? Yes, I've been fired. How did you handle it? And did you come to terms with the fact of what your part was and what their part was? I think I, I think it, I can think of two times I was fired in this. Well, I've been fired three times, actually. Um, how did I handle it? Uh, it's not fun. Um, I think it was on three projects that were making me miserable. So I think that's, it was good and that I was fired. And I think that I'm not good if I'm miserable too. So I think that, you know, um, they were probably making the right decisions as well. Um, I don't know. How do I handle it? I smoke a joint and like think about the good things that I've done and that there's another project and that I now this frees up that other thing to go and do. I'm I'm sort of an eternal optimist in a lot of ways, which helps um, and sometimes can hurt. But um, I don't know. And it hurt, but it hurts. Yeah, we get hurt. It, a lot of things hurt, though. A bad review hurts, you know. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends.
for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever.